Pushkin. Chase for Business and iHeart bring you a new podcast series called The Unshakables. This one-of-a-kind series will shine the spotlight on small business owners like you who faced a do-or-die moment that ultimately made their business what it is today. Learn more at chase.com slash business slash podcast. Chase, make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase and a member FDIC 2024 J.P. Morgan Chase and Co. Now is the time to embrace a new wave of workers. Every day, your team grows younger, more digital, and more drawn to entirely new ways of working, which means you need flexible solutions to connect them where business gets done. T-Mobile for Business was born digital. With America's largest 5G network, we can make it easier to work together from virtually anywhere. Your team may be changing, but with the right tech, it can be more productive than ever before. Get started at tmobile.com slash now. Beyond Zero is Toyota's vision of a carbon-neutral future and more. Toyota gives you the power to reduce carbon emissions and help move toward its vision with a wide selection of electrified vehicles. Whether you're into hybrid EVs for that traditional Toyota feel with better MPG, battery EVs for a smooth and silent ride, or plug-in hybrid EVs that switch between battery and fuel, Toyota has you covered. And for those who prefer hydrogen, Toyota's fuel cell EVs emit nothing but water vapor from the tailpipe. So cool. Giving you the choice on how to reduce carbon emissions and move closer to Toyota's Beyond Zero Vision. Visit toyota.com slash electrified vehicles slash beyond dash zero dash vision. Toyota, let's go places. This is Solvable. I'm Jacob Weisberg. For a moment, I thought I heard glass breaking around me physically. It was, I, my entire identity crumbled. It was just devastating. Diane Ben-Scoder's life changed when she left the Moonies. It wasn't easy. The cult provided connection and meaning. And while she was a member, it was hard to imagine a life outside of it. Diane was a victim of psychological manipulation, a technique practiced by cults of very different kinds, ranging from the People's Temple, which ended in the Jonestown tragedy, to Nexium, to QAnon. Radicalization can happen because not enough people understand how psychological manipulation works. And I don't think there's any other way to solve it than to take a public health approach to it. I, 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 it's like mole whacking. Until we get to that tipping point of enough people understanding it, it's just going to show up in different ways and in different packaging. And we'll just be deprogramming someone from this cult and that cult and one person at a time. And that is just not going to solve the problem. It'll just keep getting worse. Diane Ben-Skoder is the founder of Antidote.ngo. Her organization provides resources to families looking for support and individuals looking to make a change. I just, you know, I could imagine myself just feeling immense frustration and a failure of empathy because it's their own stupidity. (laughs) does seem like that, I know. And I, I struggle with those feelings myself, even after a lifetime of trying to understand this and speaking of it. If you can, step over, jump over the, the belief system if you can. Go back to the person that you love and remember that they're a good person. Remind them that you love them because they are a good person. 
and that you want to try to improve the relationship. Focus on the relationship and see if you can start building from there. Ben Scoder is hopeful. I believe we can solve the very dangerous problem of psychological manipulation and how it affects so many people in society. Diane, you are a cult deprogrammer. You're someone who helps people get out of cults and break out of cult thinking. And I wonder if just to begin, you could tell us a little about your own history in a particular cult, the Unification Church, um, sometimes known as the Moonies. I joined that group when I was 17 years old. I was really confused about what was going on in the world. The Vietnam War was going on. And I was listening to the music of our time that was inspiring me to want to do something about the war and to make the world better. And so I went on what I thought was a walk for world peace. And as it turns out, it was the Moonies and I was recruited and soon understood that the Messiah was on the earth and it was Sun Myung Moon and that I was born to be a disciple of Christ. That was my mission in life. And so for the next five years, I dedicated myself wholly to that task of serving God in that way. In in a lot of ways, you fit the stereotype. You were young, impressionable, teenager, adolescent, going through changes in life, feeling alienated. That's how you got in. How did you get out? Did someone did someone help you? Was there a deep programmer who was involved in helping you get out of that cult? There was. I my family hired someone to come and talk to me and it was kind of a situation where I thought that I would be able to help bring them back into the fold. I thought here's a former member who's gone astray and I'll be able to bring them back in. Unfortunately for my belief system at that time, uh, they started making a lot of sense. And I started to understand that what had happened to me was that I had been manipulated and taken advantage of and that this whole thing was a big lie. It was one of the most painful things I've ever experienced in my life to realize that. It took a long time to recover from it. And then after you left, how did you start to become a deprogrammer yourself? I had the unique opportunity. There was a rehab house for people leaving various cults. Uh, This woman had opened up her home and, and had people from whatever cult they were in come there and stay as a time of transition. And she offered me a job there and saw people coming through from Hare Krishna and Guru Maharaji's cult. There's a half a dozen children of God different groups that people would come and stay there for a while during their recovery. That was a really important time for me in understanding how psychological manipulation works and that it wasn't just that the Moonies were this unique situation. But I started getting asked to go out on cases where families needed someone to come and talk to their loved one. They would hold the person against their will. That was kind of the old style to programming back in the 80s. They would the family would say, you're not leaving until you talk to this person. It was an intervention type of situation. And so I went on many cases like that until I was eventually arrested for kidnapping. Everything went wrong. She went out the bathroom window and went to the police and we're all arrested. It's a little longer story than that. So 
it was that point that I stopped doing those kind of interventions and started really thinking about what all this meant and what I really could do to make a difference. You know, even that term deprogram suggests that there is a distinction between someone who has been manipulated, as you say, and someone who has legitimate beliefs. And that points to the distinction, you know, between cult and religion or between cult and political movement. And how do we how do we draw that line? How do we define a cult, uh, which is a set of beliefs that will require something like the kind of deprogramming that you've uh, become very skilled in doing, as opposed to something that is just someone's religion? It's such an important point you're bringing up, Jacob. It's it's really something that I think most people point in the wrong direction. They're trying to define, is this a cult or not? And I think that while that's interesting and it can be done, there's a lot of cult experts that do that. I think the important question is, is psychological manipulation being used to try to influence someone's decision-making processes? And that is the solvable thing that radicalization can happen because not enough people understand how psychological manipulation works. It can take the form of a religious cult, someone in a self-help thing like Nexium, Keith Ranieri, that whole thing, mm. or Scientology. It can happen in what happened recently. This last year was my biggest fear that a large number of people would be radicalized and the perfect storm happened. People were isolated. People were scared, wondering what was true. They didn't know what news sources to trust. And it was the perfect opportunity to take advantage of those psychological situations. And it works every time. Yeah. So I think you're maybe um, referring partly to QAnon, people who, you know, reject factual information about the, the, how the election was decided. You know, QAnon, really interesting example. It's not a religion. It's a crazy political conspiracy. It's sort of not exactly clear how it spreads. It happens to be on the right. You know, what makes that a cult and what? how specifically do we deal with that cult, which is, I think, from the perspective of our politics, from the perspective of the country, is in a way the most dangerous one we're dealing with right now. Is it a cult? There are people that would say that it is. But I think, again, what's important is that in order to solve this problem, a large number of people, the majority of people, much like herd immunity, we really need to have the majority of people understand the trickery of psychological manipulation because I don't think there's any other way to solve it than to take a public health approach to it. I, I, it's like mole whacking until we get to that tipping point of enough people understanding it. It's just going to show up in different ways and in different packaging. And we'll just be deprogramming someone from this cult and that cult and one person at a time. And that is just not going to solve the problem. It'll just keep getting worse. Small business owners, this one's for you. Chase for Business and iHeart bring you a new podcast series called The Unshakables. This one-of-a-kind series will shine the spotlight on small business owners like you, who faced a do-or-die moment that ultimately made their business what it is today. Join hosts Ben Walter, CEO of Chase for Business, 
and Tanya Nebo, a lawyer and business consultant, on these storytelling journeys of trials, tribulations, and triumphs that hinged on a single event, a split-second decision, or even a stroke of luck. Whether the story is about a warehouse going up in flames or a former partner stealing a whole roster of clients, each episode will showcase the grit, determination, and resourcefulness a small business owner needed to turn a pivotal situation into a springboard for success. Listen to The Unshakables now and learn more at chase.com slash business slash podcast. Chase, make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. JPMorgan Chase Bank, NA member, FDIC, copyright 2024. JPMorgan Chase & Co. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. So it's interesting to think about the public health approach, um, you know, what you can do to, to make people less vulnerable to manipulation. What's the first step? What you have to do is educate people about the tactics, build curriculum for educators so that they can teach young people from an early age how this works. We have to use influencers to spread information and we have to do everything we can to try to get to that herd immunity point much like with cigarettes as a problem that people didn't understand that they were harmful. There had to be a massive education campaign to educate everyone possible about the danger. And now most people, if you would ask them, do you understand that cigarette smoking is dangerous? They would say yes. And we have to get to that point with psychological manipulation. Yeah. I mean, in the classic cult, there's a leader. Reverend Moon, or in the Nexium story that you referred to, who's yeah. driving the manipulation of the adherents. But QAnon doesn't seem to quite conform to that. 
I mean, whether there's some Wizard of Oz figure who's planting the seeds of Q, I don't know. But there's no publicly identified leader who's getting people to follow him or her. It's kind of a peer-to-peer cult in that way. Does a cult have to have a leader? And is that a distinctive thing about QAnon that it doesn't? It is an interesting thing about QAnon for sure. Um, And I think it could be argued that Donald Trump was the leader in some way, that, that that was the goal. But what's more important, I think, is that there were efforts to create an enemy by creating an us and a them. You have to have an enemy. Because if you want people to just believe one source of information, because that's how you control people, if you want people to, to do what you want them to do, then you have to convince them that all sources of information outside of that group, outside of that source of information, are lies and untrustworthy or even evil Satan, whatever. You know, that's how cults do it, and that's how it was done on this larger political spectrum. And so that's how it works. And, and the other thing is that with technology like it is, it's not that expensive to create media that looks really believable. And so here's a group of people isolated on Facebook, and they somebody that they like and respect in their circle says something really radical, and it seems to me, it rings true. It might be about, it might be a racist statement, it might be, Um, something about the left being evil or whatever, and it rings true to you. And then you click and click and click. And pretty soon this is all making sense. And you're thinking this explains everything. Now I understand the, the evil on the left is trying to take over the world and I have to join forces and this is war, you know, and it it grows like that. It's self-perpetuating. Well, it's a reaction to the intellectual freedom of modern society, isn't it? I mean, in traditional societies, presumably cults are less of an issue because people don't have that search for what to believe in and how the world works. That's given to you. And there's a structure to this society and a prescribed set of beliefs and a cosmology. And the actual beliefs might be wacky, but they're held by everybody. Whereas in modern society, you can believe whatever you want. And all the things you say about the vulnerability to psychological manipulation and people's deep need to understand and have a belief system, that's a void that can be filled. But given that, I mean, I don't know if you agree with that particular explanation. I do, yeah. But given that, is psychological manipulation a problem that can be solved? I mean, if it's something that human beings are just fundamentally looking for and missing in modern society, how do you fill that space in a way that wouldn't leave them vulnerable to the cults in the way so many people clearly are? I mean, what do you do when someone is already in and you want to help them get out? What's the first step? In my organization, what we're doing is setting up off-ramps basically for people. And the people that come to us as seeking help are almost always family members. They're the loved ones of people who they've noticed that they've completely changed. They can't talk to them anymore. They don't know how to communicate with them. And they're, they feel like their loved one has joined a cult. What we do is try to work with them to help them understand how this has happened, what, what the trickery of psychological manipulation is so that they can gain empathy because you have to have empathy toward the person if you're going to help them at all. 
they have to agree that they are willing to have a conversation about the possibility that maybe they've been taken advantage of. Then it's just a matter of kind of unpeeling the onion. But they have to want to talk to you. I mean, as you said, you can't kidnap them anymore. It's voluntary. So, you know, there has to be at least some openness to, to whether it's because of pressure from family members who they still care about or some nagging feeling that something's wrong. They have to be open to changing their thinking. Yeah. And most people's approach is here are a million facts. Can't you just look at them and see? But that doesn't work because it's not about the facts. It's about their psychological situation. They need this to be true. They want it to be true. They'll do anything for it to be true because they're getting something from it on a psychological level. And so for them to be willing to let go of that, they has, there has to be something bigger in it for them. And the bigger is that they have to want their relationship back with their loved ones, for instance. And so if you can approach them with, I, I know you're a good person. I know you're involved in this because you care so much about the world and because you want America to be a great place or whatever it is, whatever it is that they sincerely do care about and get them to agree perhaps that we both agree that this isn't working. Our relationship isn't working. We have to find a way. Will you at least consider some family therapy or someone that can help us learn to talk with each other again and try to get to the bottom of what happened here. And if there are trained mental health professionals that can help look at the family system and help the person feel safe enough to look at the possibility that maybe they've been taken advantage of and maybe that's what's going on here, that allows them to still believe that they're a good person. In pretty much anyone that I have talked with and helped exit any kind of an extremist group, there's that point where they get it, where they understand that they've been taken advantage of intentionally. Then it's very devastating. At that moment when I realized that, for a moment I thought I heard glass breaking around me physically. It was my entire identity crumbled. It was just devastating. And I think that you have to be very gentle and empathetic towards someone who has been radicalized because it often takes over your entire identity. And so what you believe, the music you like, everything has become part of that identity. Your political views, your worldviews completely are tied up in that. Your community, your, who you consider your friends. It's an identity crisis, and it takes a long time to recover from that. So they have to trust that you have their best interest in mind and that you're not just wanting to argue about what's right and wrong, because that just does not work. It does seem that it might be harder to have empathy for someone who's fallen prey to QAnon beliefs than someone who would, you know, join the Hare Krishnas. I mean, you know, in the one case the with, with QAnon, the views are so noxious and they're adopted by choice. I mean, yes, there's psychological manipulation, but there are people who come to this, you know, just reading stuff and watching Fox News and absorbing bad sources of information. At one level, I can certainly have sympathy for them. But on the other hand, it's 
I just, you know, I could imagine myself just feeling immense frustration and a failure of empathy because it's their own stupidity. It does seem like that, I know. And I, I struggle with those feelings myself, even after a lifetime of trying to understand this and speaking of it. But, you know, I would have said that I completely joined the Moonies out of choice. And all of the, you know, Keith Ranieri, a lot of the the people that were involved in that, the women who got branded with his initials, they all said I did it out of choice until they understood. And then there's that devastating moment where you realize you've been taken advantage of. But it, it, it choice is is a confusing word sometimes when you're talking about this topic. Um, and yeah, it does seem noxious. And I have a lot of friends who are former white supremacists and are now trying to pull people out of that. It's a similar kind of, how could you possibly be so hateful? But they were just normal people who bought into the idea. It seems horrible, and it is. But, um, and it's what happened with Hitler Youth. They weren't born evil, Hitler Youth. They were radicalized and terrorists, people who strapped bombs on their body, people who fed poison to the children in Jones, their children in Jonestown. It, it's, it is, it's horrible when you try to talk to them and they are spouting these horrible things, but no one wants to play the fool. And if we can help people understand this trickery, I really do think we can get to the point where this doesn't work anymore, that people that try to use these tactics won't have the same ability to do so. Yeah, it's um, it's a moment when, unfortunately, cults are seem to be thriving in America, and stories about cults seem to be thriving in America. I mean, these you know, like the document multiple documentaries about Nexium, and you know, people just people just love these stories. Now, presumably, it's not the people who are in cults who like the stories about cults so much, but I don't know. There's something a little cult-like about the absorption in, in, in cults. I mean, what do you make of the, you know, popular cults as sort of an aspect of popular culture? It, people are fascinated by it. And I think everybody wants to believe that it could never happen to them. And so it's something they can point to and, and say, wow, isn't that something that would never happen to me? But boy, it's so fascinating. And um, it is fascinating how someone can be completely taken into something like a, that kind of a cult. And cults are always more prevalent during times of when there's societal unrest, during times when there's confusion about the world. It's uncomfortable to feel confused, and it's uncomfortable to feel afraid. I mean, I was really afraid during the pandemic. I'm sure we all were. And or during the beginning of the pandemic. I appreciate you talking about it in the past <laughs> tense from, <laughs> from your mouth to God's ears, as they say. Yeah, no kidding. But um, especially in the beginning, I know that I my anxiety was so, so very high. And in times of anxiety and confusion, and also because of technology, all the changes, the exponential change, the, the speed of technology change being so fast that a, a lot of people feel very scared and confused and like they don't fit in. And so 
those are the perfect conditions. So, Diane, I think the old model that people have in their heads of deprogramming is that parents are trying to get their children out of cults. But more and more, we hear these stories about children who are losing a parent or their parents to cults. And again, about QAnon and Trump and these stories we've been reading, uh, you know, is there anything that's different about it? And are there things you've learned about trying to deal with older people in cults and families, whether you're trying to get parents or grandparents out? My inbox at Antidote is just filled with those kinds of stories. Typically, my work has been trying to help disaffected youth, because that is a vulnerability. But now it's young people writing from their college dorm rooms and saying, I can't talk to my parents anymore. I don't know what to do. And so it is a different demographic. It's the same on a psychological level. It's just a different demographic. And so what we're doing is creating support groups and webinars and ways for people to learn some tactics to help build bridges with their loved ones and to help diffuse the anger that's going on between the two. It's, it's very volatile, and that's been taught. It's part of it. If you want control over someone, it's really helpful to have an enemy. You've got to diffuse that intense feeling of anger for the other, hatred toward the other, and it comes from both sides. It's really hard on both sides because you feel so frustrated and it feels so evil on the other side. And so that has to be diffused and broken down so that you can learn to talk with each other again. That's the first step. First, you have to start getting to the place where you can remember the things you love about that person so that you can start meeting them there and reminding them that you want that relationship back. Build from there. Diane, we usually wrap up by asking what listeners can do. And in this case, I would bifurcate the question. First, what can listeners do about the problem of cults in general and figuring out how to stop cults before they start, the kind of public health approach you were talking about? But separately, what can people do as individuals dealing with other individuals they may know in their families who are vulnerable or have succumbed to a cult? I think the answer to both of those questions is the same, and that is to educate yourself about the trickery of psychological manipulation. Understand that intersection between just human conditions, those things that cause us pain, psychological pain, not you know feeling lonely or not fitting in, um, feeling confused or, um, or angry about the changes in the world, fears, those kind of things and how someone can take advantage of those things, and they do. And so if you have someone that has clearly been radicalized in some way, I think the first thing to do is educate yourself. There's lots of ways to do that, and I can point people in that direction. Um, We do webinars and support groups and things. Um, And then also to really reach for that empathy. Really try to understand, if you can, uh, go step over, jump over the the belief system if you can and get go back to the person that you love and remember that they're a good person remind them that you love them because they are a good person and that you want to try to improve the relationship focus on the relationship and see if you can start building from there 
if you're just arguing about doctrine, you're just not going to get anywhere. Diane Ben-Skoder is the founder of Antidote.ngo and the author of Shoes of a Servant, My Unconditional Devotion to a Lie. To learn more about psychological manipulation and to find resources, please check out the links in our show notes. Next week on the show, I'll talk with an award-winning medical innovator, Deja Taylor. She's a senior in high school. I hope you'll join us. Solvable senior producer is Jocelyn Frank. Research and booking by Lisa Dunn. Catherine Girardot is our managing producer. And our executive producer is Mia Lobel. Solvable is a production of Pushkin Industries. If you like the show, please remember to share, rate, and review it. It really helps us get the word out. You can find Pushkin Podcasts wherever you listen, including on the iHeartRadio app and Apple Podcasts. I'm Jacob Weisberg. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.